Welcome to the Born Unbreakable Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. From lost trauma, disappointments, and devastation to healing hope and betterment, what has grounded me is my unbreakable spirit. We all have that spirit within us. Every week, I'm here to inspire you with stories of perseverance and growth. My mission is to help you crush self-limiting beliefs and to be unapologetically you. You are your only limit, so take action today. Let your unbreakable ride begin now. This episode is brought to you by Brossery. More than just bra straps, the accessory I love. With styles from dainty to daring, you will too. Click the link in the description or go to brossery.com and use promo code BUSHIP to get free shipping on your order today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I am very excited about the guest that I have on today's show. She is the youngest influencer that I have ever interviewed. And as I've I've gotten to know her, I have been blown away by this young lady. Her name is Melky. Mizpah, and she hails from India. I'm going to share a little bit of background about her, and then we'll dive into getting to know her a little bit more. And just as a little bit of a precursor, if you listen to last week's episode, I interviewed Dr. Michelle Muggy, and we talked about mental health. And today, as I talk with Melky, she has dedicated so much of her time and her mission to mental health and well-being. And that is why I wanted her to come on the show and provide another perspective from the teenage view about this very important topic that is worldwide that all of us need to be spending some more time on. So a little bit more about Melky is that very impressively, she speaks multiple language languages, English, French, German, Tamil, and she understands a few other languages. And she's a tennis player, a swimmer, and she also plays badminton. She loves leadership. And she also plays the piano, the viola, and the marimba. She loves pop music. And she is very versatile. One of the things I was most impressed by is the amount of books that she reads and the topics that she reads them on. She is very passionate about self-development. And her aspiration is to inspire others from her learning. She has a YouTube channel with over 3,000 subscribers. So I'll make sure you have all the information so you could follow her on her YouTube channel and her social media platforms. And if you can believe it, she also has her own podcast called Teen Spire. And it's Aspire to Inspire with 30 episodes and counting. So I can go on and on, but then Melky wouldn't be able to speak about herself. So welcome to the show, Melky. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm, as you know, I've been so impressed by you. And I would just love if you could start out by telling me a little bit more about yourself and why you decided to educate the world more on the topic of well-being. Sure. As Coach Des said, I'm Malki. I turn 
14 next month, and I'll be going into ninth grade in a few weeks. I go to American International School, Chennai, and there's a lot of things I love doing, as you have probably already heard from what she said. I love to travel. I just think traveling opens me up to so many different things. I get to see new cultures and interact with different people. I've been to 53 countries and counting. And my favorite country so far has been UK. And I'm working towards fluenting a fifth language, which is Spanish. And I've been enjoying it so far. That is incredible. Well, the reason I decided to educate the world on well-being is because COVID really threw things upside down. And it had a huge impact on people that surrounded me. And it just had a big impact on school life and social life. Honestly, the first six months, everyone in our school was so happy because we could be at home. Like, come on, it's just extra summer break for all of us. And we love being lazy. But then uh, cases started increasing dramatically and people went back to their home countries with time differences and not being able to meet people for such a long time. The enthusiasm people had when the lockdown started just burned out completely and going to school felt so monotonous it was just like why am I even going here and then I was thinking what could I do to help my friends and people around me and I thought hey what if I do a series on well-being I know that the main reason most of us are not being able to cope to this is because we really don't know how to care for our well-being so if I do that that would be a great contribution but by the time I processed this thought, the cases had reduced drastically. And I was glad they had reduced. And we all just had this great hope. Oh, my God, we could go back to school. And eighth graders especially, we really just wanted to graduate from school. And it was just like a really special moment for us. But then two months before graduation, cases started increasing again. The second wave came. And I'm pretty sure everyone felt this way. This was like a dead end like life was about to end that's how we all felt and then i was like okay now is my exact time i should involve my well-being series and that's when i started shooting episodes and i discussed with my friends they gave me insights on topics and i just really loved how this was coming along and in the end it connected I'm not sure I understand. Sorry. And in the end, it connected with my purpose a lot. And I decided, okay, this is my minor contribution for helping the world in return for everything it has done for me. That's incredible. How did you get such Sorry. No problem. That's the technological world that we live in. <laughs> True. It's so confusing. I, I, I have to like, check my de <laughs> devices all the time. <laughs> I'm in this era and I'm supposed to understand technology really well, but I struggle with it. I don't even know how to silence my watch, so. <laughs> oh my gosh, you and me both. I um, 
am constantly toggling between different technologies, but I'm so impressed by how quickly your following has grown. What, how did you do that? What was one of the strategies that you did to reach so many people so quickly? Well, I think I really do have to thank my friends on this. When I first started this YouTube channel, I shared it with them and they shared it with other people. And it just sort of just the word just spread around to everyone and more people knew about it. And other than that, I think I reached out to a lot of people asking for collaborations and thinking on what we could do. And I think after my first collaboration with Fabian, my followers grew. And after that, I just started spreading the word, letting more people know about it. And then it was just a chain and more people just ended up knowing about it. That is so cool. Well, I want I want to ask you next about having an optimistic attitude. But one follow-up question I have just listening to you is, and recognizing how busy you are, is how do you fit it all in between school and having a podcast and doing these videos? How do you manage your schedule so effectively? I have a really, really strict routine I follow. I try to wake up at 5.30 in the morning each day because waking up early gives me time to do everything that I need to do. And then I exercise in the morning for one hour, exercising freshens off my brain and helps me to focus better during the day. And then I read the Bible for about 30 minutes and I meditate on the words. And I think connecting with a higher um, purpose or with God is something that really helps me. And then I go to school like a regular student. I do all my work. I have lunch. School ends at 3.30. And then I exercise again. Virtual school is draining. And sometimes I think we all think exercise will drain us further. But actually, no, it gives you more energy. It makes you feel so much better. And then in the evening, I do any homework that I may have. Um, I take a bath, then we have dinner together as a family, and I really enjoy that. It's, I think that's the only time when we all just relax and speak. And then at night, I read for some time, and I try to think of topics that I could possibly do, and I work on some topics on certain days. And weekends is usually my days for shooting. I ensure that I finish all my shooting and work on Saturday or Sunday. So in a week, I have one day where I just get to do anything that I want to do. That's the day when I binge on Netflix shows and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Other than that, what? summer breaks and breaks really help me with things. I spend a lot of time during breaks working to through this work. And I think just finishing all the work at the start of break is so much easier. So then I can relax before school starts again. Yeah, you definitely have such good discipline. That is that is amazing. I can learn so much from you, especially the working out twice a day. Um, what's your what's the, the favorite thing that you've binged on Netflix recently? Recently, ooh. I would say Ginny and Georgia. 
it's a really interesting show. It's really short. I think it's only 10 episodes, but it addresses so many issues that we face in the modern day with like acceptance and racism. And I think it's a show that everyone should really watch and it's meant for teenagers. So you can really connect with it and see things from a different perspective. It's just like seeing all our lives put into a show. That is really cool. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check that one out. So I want to ask you, um, how does having an optimistic attitude help people succeed? I would say to find out how uh, an optimistic attitude helps people succeed, you first have to understand what having an optimistic attitude means. And in my opinion, having an optimistic attitude means seeing failure as a new start, um, an opportunity that forces you to learn, grow, and discover. I really think there's no use in sitting around and moping about failure. And having an optimistic attitude really helps you bounce back from that. And I just think of failure as a hurdle or a weed, something that's really annoying. And it's just your choice. Do you want to jump over it, cut it off, or do you want to just stay there and stare at it and do nothing? And then I would say optimistic people are expansive. They don't get trapped in mediocrity. They're not scared of failure. They want to discover, explore, and learn. And this is something that I really believe in success involves risks. I can't think of any successful person that did not take any risks in their lives. And then I would say those with an optimistic attitude believe that good things will happen. If you don't believe you're going to be successful, who is? Like the saying goes, you are your biggest cheerleader. And finally, control your reactions and responses to incidents. Being impulsive and acting inappropriately just because of rage or you're not feeling all right doesn't really help you at all. And 99% of the time, people are on their path to success. They do everything right. But there's just that one trigger that turns them off and it throws them completely off track. And I would say, why work so hard and let one thing throw you off? Just push through it. And in a sentence, I would say having an optimistic attitude really allows you to attain success, not just work towards it. That is amazing. You know, one of the favorite sayings that I had, I used to have it as the screensaver on my phone for a little while, was life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. And it's I, I resonate so much with what you've said because it's inevitable that things will come up that are unanticipated. But when we learn from them and we have the ability to move forward and persevere, such amazing things can happen. So I appreciate you sharing that perspective because I think it is really important um, for us to reflect on, especially young people like yourselves who have such a dynamic environment after school that you'll be going into and facing things that 
you know, you might might be perceived as failures, but how far you can go when you can overcome them. So I appreciate your your thoughts there. Uh, what about emotional intelligence? What does emotional intelligence look like to you in everyday practice? I actually use Daniel Goleman's theory of self-awareness, self-regulation, self-motivation, empathy, and social skills. For self-awareness, I constantly try to assess how I feel by analyzing my behavior, words, and thoughts. And I really, really try to understand how it's affecting others based on their reactions to what I say. Maybe if I'm just disappointed and I say something rude, I can see it in the person's face that their expression changes. And at that time, I'm like, oh, no, um, I messed up. So that's my self-awareness in that situation. And then self-regulation. Okay, that's the hardest for me. Getting distracted and making impulsive decisions is so easy, especially with this technology where you're in class and you could probably just be on web doing whatever you want and really no one's going to find out. But then at that time to control myself, I asked myself, is this really necessary? Do I really need to do this? Or is there any benefit in doing this? And 50% of the time, the answer is no. So that's just like, oh, okay. But then if it's a yes, I ask myself, why? And understanding that why ensures that I don't do that mistake. And this helps me control myself 99% of the time. But again, there are some times when I do don't um, control myself. And I think that's normal for all of us to happen. And you can't be hard on yourself for it. We're human, ultimately. For self-motivation, I would say I have reminders all around my study area to remind myself of my goals. Um, right behind me is the Oxford logo. And I want to study PPE at Oxford University, which is philosophy, politics, economics. So having the logo there reminds me why I work hard each day, why I try to do my best in my schoolwork. For empathy, I focus on understanding what someone is saying by actually becoming that person. And personally, I find it really hard to set aside my style of thinking because a decision someone may have taken may seem really impulsive or useless to me. But then when I actually go into their shoes and understand why they did that, I think, actually, no, from their perspective, it makes sense why they did it. So I just imagine myself having an out-of-body experience and just move into that person. And for social skills, I love talking, talking in general, and talking to people and interacting with them is my favorite thing to do. It just helps me connect with them and see things differently. For that, during ritual learning, I try messaging at least two to three people each day. And once in a while, I call them just so I can listen to the voice of my friends. I would say emotional intelligence really starts with understanding your own emotions. It starts from within. And then when you can manage them and control them and use them to achieve your goals, you 
will be able to understand yourself better. And understanding these emotions much better can give you a sense of motivation on why you're doing what you're doing. And then it allows you to understand why others do what they do, and it will give you the capability to influence them. Yeah, that's that's really insightful. One of the things that I've reflected on and everything that you're talking about with Daniel Goldman's uh, steps um, is about, I might summarize it in my own words as a process of introspection, meaning taking time to understand yourself, how you process, how you see the world. And I do think going back to where you started with why you started to focus on well-being is that we all had an opportunity for a deeper level of introspection when the pandemic happened. Some of it was a bit out of, not out of, out of, it wasn't in our control because we were told to stay inside and, and that would make things safer. But I think with that, uh, going back to the point you made about having a positive attitude, we could either take that time to maybe watch a lot of Netflix <laughs> or take that time and learn a little bit more about ourselves and in the process, um, how we show up to other people and how we understand other people. So I'm hoping that that, you know, is a bit of a gift that we've gotten in looking at the silver lining. It's it's been difficult, I think, from a social perspective to be indoors and not have the same opportunities. But the beauty of technology is the ability to do things like we're doing right now, you know, and we, we can see each other's facial expressions and we can understand if there's something, you know, one person says and it might trigger an emotion that we need to pay attention to, even if how we observe people, um, especially virtually now, because that's arguably m the majority of how we're interacting in the world. We haven't quite gotten yet <laughs> back to everyone just doing things in person. So I think it's incredible for you to share those steps. And I hope that they're very helpful for somebody to hear and maybe learn to practice for themselves. Um, I want to, to next ask you about what are some ways that you suggest that can be implemented to combat stress? That's actually a really interesting question. I would say right now, a lot of us are facing stress. And I think the best way to cope with it is identifying where your stress comes from and then adjusting your game plan based on it. I would suggest doing the four A's, which is avoid, alter, accept, and adapt. Just avoid stress. I think if you have two meetings back to back and you know that one of them is optional, just avoid it. And if that's gonna make you less stressful, go for it. Ultimately health is much more important. And then alter. when you're in stress, find new strategies that help you. Maybe exercising helps you or talking to a friend or reading. And that really allows you to embrace the situation for what it is 
and that connects to the next step, which is accept. I guess my favorite saying, one of my friends always said it was, deal with it, just deal with it. And um, sometimes it's really annoying when someone says, oh, come on, just deal with it. But then at the same time, when you ponder upon it, you understand, yes, I can do this. I can push through this. I am strong and I will get through this. And that's the part of acceptance. And then you finally have adapt. Thinking you can't cope to things is really stressful. Maybe you're in a class where the competition is really high and you want to be the best in that class. But change your standards and expectations 99% of the time, or even more than that, I would say, is because we put stress on ourselves. It's like we open our arms to stress. It just, nope, say no to stress. Another strategy I would say is organizing a to-do list for tasks that have to be done today short-term and long-term. And that's why I have a board on my side over here and I have um, lists on them that says due today, uh, due short-term and due long-term. And I focus on getting today's task first and then short-term tasks and then long-term ones. But that does not mean I end up ignoring the long-term ones because procrastination is a huge issue we all face these days. So I involve bits of the long-term tasks in today's task on a regular basis. And by categorizing it, I remove the stress of not being able to meet deadlines. And for us students, I think that's one of the huge causes of stress. And I came up with this idea after I heard a quote by John C. Maxwell, where he said, don't try to manage your time, manage yourself. And it makes sense because we all have 24-hour days. It's not like I have more time than rest of the others do. It's just I manage myself better. That's huge. I sometimes try to find a 25th or 26th hour, and I, I never seem to be able to do that. But, uh, you know, I, I love the connection that I'm seeing in a lot of what you're saying because having that optimistic attitude and creating an environment where you essentially are putting affirmations to yourself it is also going to sustain the optimistic attitude and also reduce stress because visibly you're continuing to be reminded of things that are positive or things that you might get hung up on like say no Having something next to you that just says, say no, or a reminder, especially if you know it's your pitfall, can make a huge difference in your time, you know, in, in the managing of yourself, and then ultimately what you choose to prioritize. Um, I'm definitely going to write those four A's down and make them new post-its <laughs> with the, the other post-its that I have all around my, my work environment. So that, that was a fantastic tip. I love that a lot. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I would love to do is just learn a little bit more about you, um, to get into your mind and help the audience, you know, get to see the world from, um, your view. Uh, one of the things that I'm a big advocate for is being the authentic, genuine individuals that we are. 
and also continuing to just grow in into the best version of ourselves. And I think that evolves and we just continue to grow, you know, throughout our lives and throughout our different experiences. So I just love to learn about people just like you do. Um, so the first question that I have for you is what are three words that best describe you? Oof, there are so many words. Um, I would say ambitious, inquisitive, and a leader. I say ambitious because there's so many aspirations I want to achieve in my life, whether it's traveling to as many countries as possible by the age of 18 or becoming a student of PPE, like I said before. And then inquisitive. I really, really love learning more about people, things, places. And like I said before, talking to people expands my worldview, helps me see things differently. And sometimes I don't agree with everything that people say, but I think that's the fun part in it, to sort of debate with them and see why they think the way they think and why I think the way I think and sort of finding connections there. And then I would say leader, because collaborating with people is something that I really enjoy doing and leading people in a positive manner as well. And at school, when we have group works or just any extracurriculars and clubs, and there's an opportunity for me to be a leader, I always pounce on it because I think being a leader allows you to meet new people and interact with others from different grades, with different cultural backgrounds, and just see why they think of that topic the way they do, or just get to know more about them. Yeah, I think that's, that's really incredible. And I love that you acknowledge that you want to hear and learn, but that doesn't necessarily mean agree with everything. Everybody's still entitled to their different perspectives while having respect for maybe something, uh, a, a viewpoint that's different. Um, I know you like books. One of the, I was thinking of a book that <clears throat> it reminded me of while I was listening to you speak and it's, um, there's an author, his name is Don Miguel Ruiz. And he wrote The Four Agreements, one of my favorite books. And he has a series of all kinds of different ones, but there's one called The Fifth Agreement. And The Fifth Agreement is about listen, but be skeptical, mm -hmm. which is essentially saying it's important for us to see the world and hear the different viewpoints all around us, but it's okay to question and ha you know, have that curiosity and, um, and still you know, be open-minded while having your own perspective. So I think that is really awesome. And you definitely are living up to the word of being a leader because from the moment that I've met you, that is probably one of the first words that I thought of when I spoke to you. I said, leader. <laughs> so um, that is very aligned with what you exude to the world. So that is just really awesome. Um, okay, my next question for you is, what is something about yourself that you're working on improving? I would say probably being more realistic 
um, I always want to be the best at things. And I really don't like making mistakes or being second best. I think it's just in my blood that I have to be the best at things. And sometimes having that attitude of always wanting to be best actually helps me to achieve my goals. It pushes me harder, but in a positive way. But other times it can be really stressful because I can't be good at everything. And when there are people better than me at some things, I get this feeling of, oh, maybe I'm not good enough. Or how is that person better than me? I thought they were younger than me. And these kind of questions pop up and that makes me stressed. And I would say I have made progress in that um, a few years ago. Uh, and that makes me sound old, but <laughs> a few years ago, I would say, um, I really just kept getting glued to the fact of I have to be the best. That's what always kept going in my brain. But now I understood making mistakes is part of being human. And if I don't use those opportunities as a way to learn, it's going to affect me in the future. Yeah. What is one of those things? What is an experience that you had where you felt like you weren't the best, but then you took a lesson from that. Can you think of a, an experience where that happened to you? Um, I would say when I make these YouTube videos, there are times when I would just speak and then my brain blanks out completely. I, I would know what I have to speak on the topic and I'll be speaking spontaneously and continuously but then my brain just goes like blank. And those times I'll be like, what is up with me? Why can't I even <laughs> say or speak one topic properly? I mean, it's not even that hard and it's all information that I research and I know what I'm talking about. And I would say last July around the same time was when I actually started shooting for my YouTube channel. And initially, I didn't know how to exactly convey what's going on in my brain and convey it in a really understandable manner. So I had a lot of brain blanks back then. And that was a lesson that I learned, I think, around after 10 videos or so that I learned making mistakes is all right in this situation. I just have to be myself and say what comes to my mouth. And sometimes, yes, it doesn't make sense because my brain, when I think and I speak, it's different. But then I know it doesn't matter because I already said what I need to say. And that's what really matters for me in that situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not, not overthinking it too much. Yeah, and that, I think that's such a great lesson because um, oftentimes we're our own worst critic you know, where you, there's things that you notice that other people didn't even notice, but because you want to have that per perfect, you know, execution, you pick apart everything and then it could be to your detriment. So giving yourself some grace. And then also, I think it makes us more relatable because we're human, like you pointed out earlier. So 
you know, when people see that even when we practice and we try to be polished, we make mistakes and then it just makes them feel like, oh, good. I'm glad you do because I do too, <laughs> you know? And so I'm, I, that's, that's such a good lesson. And, um, even as adults, we have to remind ourselves of that too, because we can beat ourselves up pretty bad for just trying to be a 10 out of 10 on everything, which is impossible to do. Okay, my next question for you is, what is one thing that you want to see changed in the world? I would say it's that people become more giving, meaning a lot of people in this world don't have opportunities like I do or like people I know do. And I have access to amazing education. I go to the school where teachers are really nice and students are so versatile. But then maybe a few streets away, I would see kids my age, maybe just working or being the breadwinner for their families. And I think that is something that really hits me in the gut and something I want all of us with opportunities to do is to share it with people. And it doesn't have to be big. It's just a flicker of hope through a tiny act of kindness would be enough to set the fire ablaze within them. And I make my own contribution by participating in a club called MUN Impact. And this club works with students from less privileged backgrounds to teach them about MUN. And sometimes we just interact with them and play games. And this gives me a sense of satisfaction and lets me know that I'm doing something good with my access to education and with the opportunities that I have. That's really neat. Well, and then the interactions that you're having, what you're teaching, those that you're, you're able to connect with, that's something that they get to take away from that experience too. How did you get, how did you learn about that, that club? Well, um, the club is actually relatively new at our school. It's only been there for three years. And I think the club started because of a girl that graduated, I think a year or a year, two years ago. And she asked our MUN um, mentor slash coach if we could have something like an impact club. And then in seventh grade, I joined the MUN Impact Club. And at first, I didn't really find it to be too amusing. If I'm going to be really honest, I just thought, oh, we're just making worksheets. Oh, there's so much work involved. There's so much planning. But then in eighth grade, I really understood why I was drawn to it in the first place in seventh grade. It's, it gave me an opportunity for connections and it's just publicity that happened in our schools and how much people spoke about it. Like I've seen on my friend's Instagram uh, where we post pictures with those kids and they're just so interesting. I, I, it's so shocking how interesting those kids are. Maybe they've done things that I would never have done in my whole life. I. I really cannot imagine being a breadwinner for my family. And I'm 13, and those kids are even sometimes younger than me, and it's just insane. Yeah, 
That is, that is a lot to take on, to have so much responsibility at a young age. Um, and I, I was, you know, going back in my head about what you said about travel, and I'm still so baffled that you've been to 53 countries. I, I'm, I'm still sitting here going, wow, that's, that's amazing. Um, what is one of the countries that you want to visit next? I would say I want to visit a country in Africa or not specifically Africa, maybe a less developed country because I've been to almost all of the developed countries and quite a few of the developing countries. But the underdeveloped countries, I really want to go to one of them and just see how they look at life because something that I've noticed that's really common is when people have access to opportunities and privileges they complain a lot and i would say even i complain like i was talking to my parents a few days ago saying it's annoying being in lockdown and not being able to meet people but then they actually made me think about those that don't even have access to water and never in my life have i ever been thankful for being able to drink water, just having food in the plate in front of me. And the reason I really want to visit those people is so I can share to more people like me about what they are facing so that more people actually get to know about this cause. And considering the fact that I actually have the opportunity to travel a lot, I think I actually want to make good use of it. So if I have a specific country in mind, it might be Ethiopia. Yeah, that would be amazing to make a trip to Ethiopia. Um, I know what you said is such a valuable piece of information. And I have nieces that are near the same age as you, 12 and 14. And um, one of the, the hopes or desires that I have for them is that they have the opportunity to travel to um, another, other countries. They've they've been to a few um, because I do think it expands your perspective. When I uh, went to Guatemala for Habitat for Humanity, I was able to build houses there and meeting the families that I was building for, they put in their sweat equity because they wanted to be right side by side building everyone from the child to the parents to the grandparents. And of course, <laughs> we said, no, not, not, you know, you can't, you can't just come and build and we wouldn't want them to hurt themselves or anything like that. We, we really wanted to, you know, get trained to do it the, properly for them, but just the, to see the determination of somebody being willing to build their own home was such an eye-opening experience for me that I never forget what it felt like to be a part of something that was like from the ground up. And I always look back on that and have so many moments, just like you described where when I'm complaining about something, I go, this is nothing. This is absolutely 
ridiculous that I'm complaining about something that's so minuscule when there are so many bigger things in the world that people are struggling with. So um, I couldn't have said it better myself. That's that's such an such an important revelation. Um, ah, one of the other questions I wanted to ask you was, um, what is a self-limiting belief that you've had about yourself that you've had to overcome? The need for perfection. I would say I've overcome that by now. Um, I really don't like making mistakes. And like I said before, it gives me this feeling that I'm not worth it or I'm not good enough or I don't have the skills or I don't have the understanding for this. And I think when I overcame that need for perfection, it was like this huge weight was lifted off my shoulders. Because if you're constantly striving for perfection and not learning anything, it's really useless in a way. You're not going to do anything with it. Okay, you got a perfect A+, plus, but did you learn something from it? And if the answer is no, it's not really useful. And I think I really overcame this by forcing myself to have a positive mindset, literally constantly thinking positive mindset, positive mindset. Think of encouraging thoughts. When you make a mistake, think of it positively. And the first few times it was really hard because I was sort of attracted back to uh, thinking bad about myself and thinking that I'm not good enough. But once I really understood how I should have that positive thoughts and positive mindset, I was really able to overcome this self-limiting belief easily. Yeah. It's amazing how you have to repeatedly tell yourself something. Going back to what you said when you, you've got to believe in yourself. But sometimes in order to believe in yourself, you have to tell yourself something enough so that way you, you know, you do feel enough and you can feel capable and you, and, and you're willing to step up to the bat again and take another turn at it. Even if you missed, you know, the first time you missed the pitch the first time. Um, and it's a, it's a hard lesson. And I think that, um, much I could tell because I have the same trait when you have an A type personality, perfectionism is almost innately a part of that. And so anytime you do anything less than what you think is ideal, it feels so disappointing. You know, it's like a, this devastating thing. And, um, <laughs> when, when I was, I probably started when I was in elementary school, I used to redo my homework when I didn't think it looked good enough. And it was just, it was something that I did. It was a complete waste of time. It didn't really accomplish anything, but my aunts and uncles would tell me that, like, why, why are you redoing it? Like, oh, I just want it to look perfect. I just want it to look perfect. And it, you know, like all of those things, looking back at it, it's like, wow, what a, what a waste of time. I could have taken those hours and invested it in doing something more fun than redoing my homework. So, ugh, it's, it's such a hard thing to kick the perfectionism so hard. Okay. What is 
one of the best pieces of advice that you've ever been given? I would say it's probably be you, be happy. Um, I don't remember who gave me this advice or if I read it somewhere. I think it was on um, a logo or a box of something. And I found this like slip of paper inside it and it just said, uh, be you, be happy. And since then that got stuck in my brain. And I think I was in third grade when I read that. But now if I actually think about it, there's so much meaning behind those four words. Because when you're being yourself, you be happy. You're just really happy that you can be yourself. And sometimes we're afraid to be yourself because we think we'll get judged or people won't like us for who we really are. But I would say if people don't like you for who you are, it's their loss. You didn't do anything. You're just being yourself. It's their loss that they cannot embrace your amazingness. It's their problem. Let them deal with it. And I think that's the part of be you. And when you're yourself and you're comfortable being yourself, I think the word comfortable there is really important. You automatically become happy. So I love speaking, interacting with people, and just a really cheery person in general. So now I'm just really happy and all of that stuff. People think, oh, she has a perfect life. Oh, she doesn't have any problems. And at times I'm just like, am I a bit too happy for them or is that? And then I'm like, nah, that's their problem. Let them deal with it. If they're jealous that I'm happy, well, it's because I'm being myself and they're not being themselves. If they don't learn how to be themselves, they can't be happy. Exactly. Yeah. I have a, a post-it. I talk about it often that says you're not responsible for other people's happiness, mm-hmm. you know, and it kind of goes with the, the idea of perfectionism and acceptance, we've talked about that. And sometimes the the bigger thing to do is being you and the right people will accept you. The right people will, you know, I, I do believe in that law of attraction. You know, when you you are going to attract the people who are like-minded and are meant to be in your universe and and are meant to elevate you because that energy feeds off of each other you know when you have a positive attitude it encourages it encourages other people to have a positive attitude and then those people that don't have that will just go and gravitate to the the negative people somewhere else <laughs> you know you don't you don't need those people around you anyway so i think that's so amazing this has been such an awesome conversation milky i i want to definitely spend some time knowing um or you sharing how people can follow you and the work that you're doing so basically i have all um social media accounts and on youtube i post videos every friday And right now I'm doing a series on well-being. And this month is dedicated to emotional well-being. And then I have an audio podcast, which is available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and all major podcasts. And then on Twitter, Pinterest, and Facebook, I post thoughts 
that I have on topic or quotes that I think is really cool. And on Instagram as well, I post thoughts, teasers for my videos on YouTube and stuff I do in my daily life, like art that I do in my free time or when I'm watching TV or when I like a show, stuff like that. That is so cool. So there's a lot of different ways that people can follow you. And I'll make sure that all of those pieces of information are in the show notes so people could click directly on those links. Uh, what is one of the favorite activities that you are doing right now? I know there's a lot of things based on what you've shared with me that you that you like to do, but what what is one of your favorites right now? Right now, it's probably bracelet making. Um, it was an obsession I had. I think second grade through fourth grade. So origami and bracelet making was the trend back then. That's what cool kids did back then with those like loom bracelets and all of that. Yeah. Um, so that time I loved making these loom bracelets and even thread bracelets to some extent, but I thought they were really complicated and I loved origami at that point of time. And again, the obsession has come back to me so I've been making these uh, thread bracelets, except the designs are much more complicated. I've been doing ones with 12 strings, um, nine strings, and they're a lot harder to do. And the patterns with like backward knots, square knots, um, forward knots. And I've also been doing a bit of origami. I'm really unorganized with my strings. I always get them tangled up. So I found this origami you can do that helps you store your strings really in a neat and clean manner. So I've been making origamis for those. Wow. Okay. How long does it take to make one bracelet? Depends on the design. I would say six string bracelets usually take me about an hour. Uh, nine stringed probably about one and a half to two and 12 string, they take long because the designs are also different. So the bracelet that I'm doing right now has spent almost two hours on it so far, and I'm not even halfway done. Wow. Yeah, you'll have to do something um, cool for your birthday that's coming up. <laughs> do like a really cool bracelet for that. Do you have any plans next month when you turn 14? Well, probably inviting my cousins over and a few friends if the case is reduced but monday my birthday is on a monday and then i have to go to school but actually going to school on birthdays is one of the funnest things because you can see if your friends actually remember your birthdays so you're just That's there true. and you're like do you remember my birth do you know what it is today and then they're like uh no and you're just like i am just with you I thought you were my friend um so it's fun teasing people but other than that probably inviting people over and baking something I love you like bake. baking what do, what's your favorite thing to bake probably cinnamon rolls and puff pastries wow wow now I'm getting hungry oh well, and then in visiting the UK too, they've got a lot of great pastries and things like that. I remember from being there. So that's another great reason to go there. Um, hopefully as things settle, you'll be able to make your way back mm -hmm. there 
to one of your favorite places. Well, I don't want to keep you. I know it's been nearly an hour that we've been talking and I can talk to you for many hours because there's so many directions we could go, but I just want to really thank you for your time and your perspective. I love following you and the work that you do. It's very inspiring and I look forward to doing more work with you in the future. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking with you. The questions, wow, they really made me think. And I also look forward to working with you again. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Don't forget to follow Melky, especially her YouTube channel, because those are videos that not only can you watch for yourself, but I would highly recommend you sharing them, especially with your kids and your teenagers, as all of us are in a time where we're working on our well being. And it's something as evidenced by Melky's talking to us today and even the previous episode, it's something that takes practice. Um, and, and, and the discipline that you shared of meditation, exercise, reading, these are all habits and things that you have to commit to every day and turn them into something that is second nature or even autopilot so that you can start to develop a lot of what you're talking about, a positive attitude, optimism, and the ability to inspire and empower other people. So I appreciate you so much. I am still on cloud nine from having Melky Mizpah on the show. At 13 years old, Melky is light years beyond her time. Her outlook on the world, her resilience, her dedication, determination, and ambition is something like I have not seen before. Who she is today, I can only imagine who she will be 5, 10, and 15 years from now, taking over the world and making even more tremendous changes than she is already. I think one of the things that struck me about talking to such a bright young woman, going to be 14, going on 40, really, is how much one person can make a change and there is no age limit on that. She had a vision for well-being being something that is prioritized in the world, particularly for those that were in her age group, those that are around her. And she put her mind to it and got her friends to help to share that message. And in such a short time, thousands of people are being inspired by her and the videos that she shares with the world on such incredibly impactful content. So if you are listening and you have ever felt like you didn't believe in yourself, like it's impossible for you to make a difference for someone else, think again, because you can, and I guarantee that you are. All it takes is you speaking up, using your voice, using it for good. I love how she said she intentionally talks to a few people a day. And that's as simple as it is, is you can take 
just a few minutes of your day to connect with other people. And despite us still being in this pandemic, we're capable of doing that because of all the technologies that we have. You can text, you can call, you can FaceTime, video chat via all the different channels that are available to us and meet in person in some instances and make those connections. Make that kind of impact because boy, is the world a better place when we do that. I love what she said about giving. And that right there is a free gift that you can give is a little bit of your time to inspire the world around you because you can absolutely make a difference. And she is living proof of that every single day. I appreciate you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Born Unbreakable podcast, where we are about promoting being, like Melky said, you, unapologetically you. Remember that you are your only limit, so take action today. If you have not already, subscribe to Born Unbreakable and follow on all the platforms where you can listen to the podcast and the YouTube channel. And let me know what you want to hear. I do want to shout out. I always uh, do this in writing, but want to say out loud a shout out to Ava Media Productions because without Ava Media Productions, this show would not be produced to its quality. So thank you for that. And uh, I do love hearing from you. Drop me a line. You know where to find me on Instagram. You can also email me, des at bornandbreakable.com. Tune in again next week for another inspiring episode.